Hi, my name is Dale Wilbur, and I serve as the worship arts pastor for the Heights Baptist Church. I am blessed to serve with a great team of people here at the Heights. I provide leadership for what we call the creative team. While we lead out and coordinate many of the things you see around the church, our primary goal is to connect people to the Heights through our core values, mainly in the area of worship and prayer. You may think of our team as a group who leads choir, orchestra, or the mosaic band each week, but we also serve in many other areas around the church. Our team works in and leads many of the ways you connect each week in worship, from worship planning, special worship events, lighting, sound, print and publication, branding, sermon series design, to Facebook promotion and website management. Andy Huff, our creative arts pastor, plays a major role in the design of these areas. He also manages and leads with the video production that you see each week in our service announcements and sermon bumpers. Mike Connor, our media pastor, directs a group of people who run our sound, video, and live streaming along with basically fixing all the tech issues related to phones, computers, basically anything with an off and on switch. You can see our whole team on the staff page of theheightsonline.com. I'm thankful for their service to the church, but I'm even more excited about their passion to connect people to Christ and His church through the ministry of the arts. I want to introduce you to someone who has joined our ministry through their passion of music. Jeff Sprung connected to our church through the orchestra ministry of the Heights. I want you to hear his story. About a year and a half ago, I was invited to join the orchestra, and it's really meant a lot to me. It's really changed my whole focus of playing. I used to always play for myself and for my own benefit, but now I play for His glory. You know, when one realizes that God offers His unconditional love and grace to us, it's really just such a, a blessing, and it really makes it so special to worship His majesty and grace every day. We were made to be connected to God, connected to the gifts He's given to us, and connected to each other in real community. That's what our church is striving to be about, being connected. Because here at the Heights, we believe life is better connected. Well, good morning, and uh, let me tell you a little bit about what you just watched. You're going to see one of these videos every couple of weeks for the next month or so, and it's, what you're going to see is kind of how your staff is broken up into teams and what role each of those teams plays in helping us connect to God and connect to each other, uh, because we really do be, believe life is better connected, and you're going to get a chance to get one of these fine t-shirts. I'll tell you about that in a little while, okay? But we really do believe this, folks, that life is so much better when you are fully engaged, when you're fully connected into the life of the church. I, I so much want that statement to rock your world, to change your agenda, your priorities, your touch all your relationships and, and everything you are. I, I mean, I want it to do that in your life. But then I think, gosh, I just sound like such a pastor saying that, right? I mean, that's my job to say. You, you remember when you went through your first breakup in middle school and your mom said, I love you. And all you were thinking is you're supposed to say that. 
right? And now that doesn't make it any less true, but somehow we dismiss that when we say, you're supposed to say that. And when I'm telling you, man, life is so much better the more you're at church. Doesn't that just sound like a pastor thing to say? I mean, that's, that's, that's my job. Keep the attendance up, money coming in, and get you to sign up for this, that, and the other. It's an exciting life I lead here at the Heights. But you know what? What if my saying that isn't because it's just my job? What if it's the truth? What if it's what God said? Now, I realize even just playing the God card right there, God said it. You know what? It might be a bit of a bridge for you to cross to really think that it could make that kind of difference, that it could have that kind of, of impact on your life. You know, right now, a, a, a lot of us in this room, maybe those of you watching by live stream, we've got something going on in life, don't we? We've got an issue out there. It might, might be at home, work, school. It's a, maybe a decision that we're working through and need to make. It might be something that has just come up since the new year. It might be something we've been dealing with for years and in our mind, until that issue's fixed, until it's resolved, until it's removed, until it's added, until that's better, life is not going to be better. That has to be better. That issue has to be better for my life to be better. And every now and then, they get better, don't they? Right? Every now and then, that thing gets fixed. And so now we've got a better life for like four minutes, right? Right? Until number two moves up the ladder and it, it takes the number one spot and it starts to scream and beat on the door. And, you know, we've just always got a list of things that, gosh, life, life's not going to be any better until that. And we probably don't normally see church on that list. We don't see that, boy, that need for, for, for church, you know, boy, that, when that happens, boy, my life will be better. You know, I, let me do a little time out here. This is going to be a message that's going to sound like, okay, this is for folks in church who maybe don't come a whole bunch, you know, in and out when they can. Maybe when they're here, they, they don't do a lot. It's going to sound like it's directed at them. And, and well, it is. But this message is every bit as much for the other end of the spectrum. For those of us that are maybe here a lot, maybe close to every single week, maybe those of us that could say, well, you know, I, I, I've done this and, and last year I volunteered doing that and we could point to some things that we've done. Folks, it, it's for all of us that we can take a step forward. We can experience what, what God has in mind when he says life is better connected. You know, um, church is a lot like water. Not, not the tasteless, boring part, okay? I'm, that's not the part I'm talking about. I'm talking about the life-giving part, right? You know, this is not the most exciting part of, of anybody's diet. Nobody's saying, well, I can't wait to get home tonight. We're going to have water as a family. You, you know, we don't, we don't say that. But this is the most important part of our diet. You can go weeks, and I mean like four, five, six plus weeks without putting a single bite of food in your body. And I don't mean laying in a hospital you can do that. You can do most of what you do day in and day out without putting a single bite of food in your body. But you go a couple days without this and you're dead. Because we got too much of our body is made up of water. Our brain, a significant percentage of your brain is water. Of all of your cells is water. Uh, of your blood is water. But, but here's the problem. 
a lot of us get just enough of this to not realize that we're dehydrated. As a matter of fact, a a number of studies, and I I tend to buy in this, that's why I'm using it as an illustration. A number of studies suggest that 75% of Americans are chronically dehydrated. You're, You're getting just enough to not realize you're dehydrated. And with all the body made up of water like it is, you're not as sharp, you're not as strong, and if you live that way for a significant amount of time, guess what happens? Problems start to pop up. And we know the problem is there. We'll run and go fix the problem. Oh, doctor, this is happening. Oh, I, I need this medicine. We know, And we may never know to connect it back to something as simple as being dehydrated. See, see, it has an impact. God made the body to run on water. Well, guess what? God made the spiritual body. He made your spiritual life to run on some things. The Holy Spirit, right? His Word And yes, the church. And sometimes what we're doing, folks, is we're getting just enough of these things to cover up the fact that we're not getting enough of them. And and we're leaving ourselves spiritually dehydrated so that we're not as strong, not as sharp. And when that's the case, folks, there's there's not going to be any place where we can say, hey, life is better. Because when we're dehydrated, problems start to pop up. In our life, and we know, hey, that needs to be fixed in my life. Oh, this is a, a problem in my home, in my finances, and we never know to quite connect it back to the dehydration that we have going on in our lives. I, I don't know that we really understand the impact that being connected to the body of Christ, being connected to the church, has on our lives. You know, folks, if we were to talk about, well, what's it look like to be connected? Probably the simplest way to talk about it is attendance and activity, right? I mean, if I'm not here, it's hard to be connected. If I'm not active, it's hard to be connected. And and so it's it's easy to just kind of, when we're talking about, okay, you got to be here and you got to do something. But I think if we go a little bit deeper into the New Testament, you see, hey, there's a, a variety of things where to be. Not just do, that we're to be. And there are some things we are to do. And that would show us to be good and faithful followers of Christ. And and by the way, you can use church member and faithful follower of Christ interchangeably. Those are synonymous terms. A a follower of Christ is connected to the body of Christ. That's what the church is called in the New Testament. And in the New Testament, there's no concept of being in, in love with the head in being in love with Jesus, but being loosely connected or no interest in, in his body. I, I, I think there's a reality of that happening, but it's, it's not something the New Testament shows us. As a matter of fact, what Jesus shows us is, hey, here's a quality of a follower of Christ. And it has everything to do with our relationship with each other. He says this in John chapter 13. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have... Okay, now you know where I'm going, so let's do it all again. You have for one another. There we go. You you know, folks, again... I think let's open up our Bible. We can do a study of church and church life and believers. And you can make a list... 
There's, there's not just one thing we're to be, one thing that we're to do. There, there's a list here. But I think what is unique about this verse and what Jesus is saying is he's saying, hey, listen, this is what I want people to see. I want people who observe your life to be able to see this. What, what people? Believers, unbelievers, people in the church, people outside the church. It says by this, all people, whoever they are, however they're described, if they watch you, if they observe your life, they should be able to go. So that, that's what it looks like. That's what being a follower of Christ looks like. It's an engagement with the body of Christ. Folks, Jesus said, it's something they see, right? So it's not just something I feel. I would imagine a lot of people say, oh, I love my church. Just a warm feeling inside. But you can't see a warm feeling inside me, can you? I mean, it might be real. Hey, I hope you do have a warm feeling inside. I have a warm feeling inside. But nobody can see that. Whatever Jesus is talking about here is more than just something I feel about my church. It's something they can see, observe, and watch me be and watch me do. Jesus said this is so significant, this command. He says in another place, you know what? You really, you can sum up the whole law. You can sum up the Bible with these three words, love one another. Now, that doesn't mean I don't need the Bible anymore. Oh, I know what the whole Bible says, love one another, finished. <laughs> no, I still need the Bible because it describes what that love does. It, it, it shows me how to love like that. Boy, it shows me where the help, the help for loving like that. Because this loving one another thing, it ain't easy, is it? No, it, it's, it's not easy to love one another. There's a variety of reasons that it's not easy. One, we're all selfish. Some of us a little more so. Some of us a little less. But we all have this virus running through us. We're selfish. Hey, you know what? It's hard to love the people I want to love. Much less talking about coming into a, a big room like this, across three hours, across two campuses, and say, okay, now this is my job, to love all them? That's hard. It, it, it's hard to do this because when we come up to church, we don't feel close to everybody, do we? We don't even like some of them. Yeah, you're not supposed to say that out loud. But, I mean, if we're being honest, that's true. And that, that's true in a church of 75. It's, it's, church in, it's true in a church of 2,075. I don't feel close to everybody. Don't ever like everybody. You know, another thing I think you wouldn't really think about this I think it's love, hard to love one another wherever you are in time and space. Whatever culture that you're in. But I think we as Americans have another level of challenge in that culturally we are so independent and we are so isolated. There is nothing more important in our culture than the individual. As a matter of fact, we really have the mindset that 300 million should sacrifice for the one. That's really kind of unique, and I'm not commenting on the right or wrong of that. I'm talking about the fact that in most cultures around the world, the one would sacrifice for the 300 million. Most cultures are a little bit more tribal-centered, a little bit more community-centered. We are totally centered on the individual. So we got kind of a cultural thing going on there that makes this challenge a little bit more difficult. But whatever the reasons are, these three, seven others... It's hard to love one another, but it doesn't change the fact that God expects this to be a driver in your life and my life. 
That when I say driver, I mean, this isn't something I accidentally do. Oh, gosh, I had a chance to love somebody the other day. This is something that is to be shaping and defining how I walk through this week. It's to shape and define every single day. It is to kind of have, it's to have the kind of priority in my mind that family would. The, the family at home. As a matter of fact, that's pretty much how Jesus explains it. L- listen, listen to how he says this. This is in Matthew chapter 12, if you want to turn there. Matthew chapter 12, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 46. It says this, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him, but he replied to the man who told him. Okay, he doesn't know they're outside, but obviously somebody has gotten to him and given a message, hey, they're outside, and he responds this way, Jesus, who is my mother and who are my brothers? It's a little bit awkward, isn't it? You know, you know, as we go through the Gospels, we see that, especially in the early part of Jesus' ministry, great crowds are following him. Now, if he's out in the field, that works just fine, okay? But if he's in town, if he's inside a, a home, he's inside a synagogue, over and over, the story of the Gospels show us, I, I mean, they'll, they'll get into a room and it'll be packed. You can't move, you can't breathe, it's hot, and it's not only packed inside, it's packed all the way around the building. You can't get near the building that he's in. But now, while it doesn't say that, that's obviously what is going on here. And, and it sounds like Mary and the, and the family, maybe they've gotten close to a window so that they could at least look inside and they tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, would you, would you go over there to Jesus and tell him his family's out there? And the guy makes his way across the room and he says, hey, Mary, your brothers are out there. And he responds with this, who are they? I mean, seriously, who really is my, my mother? And I could see the brothers going, ah, ain't no mom going to be okay with that statement. Who is my mom? Now, what, is, he, is he being insensitive or just kind of uncaring? No. I, you know, it appears to me that Jesus sees kind of a teaching moment here. I mean, I mean what is more universal than family? You say family and, and some very common ideas pop into everybody's head. There's love, there's responsibility, there's the challenge and the difficulties. But we all get it. When you say family, that's just universal. We all understand the responsibility that we have in a home. And so, and so he uses this, I think, to say, hey, hey, who is family? And this is how he responds. And so he, he stretches out his hand toward the disciples, that's, that's you and me, and he says this, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I mean, folks, I'll tell you what, I find that to be maybe one of the top ten most earth-shattering verses in the New Testament. I mean, do you realize what he's doing there? It, it, it seems like he is raising the church family us, that he is raising that family at least to an equal, if not greater prominence than our family at home. And I just let that soak in for a moment. That, that you and I are to think about each other the way we would our family, which that by itself is not always good, is it? What's going on there? Now understand something, okay? Pulling something up doesn't mean something's being torn down, okay? In no way is what Jesus is saying negating the responsibility I have at home. Well, I have a, I have a biblical responsibility. 
The Bible tells us what we're to be as a mate, as a parent, as, as a grandparent, as a, as a child, as a sibling. We have biblical responsibility. So Jesus didn't say anything there that dismisses what's going on at home. But boy, he said something that should sure rock our world in here. What's going on in here, the relationship in here, you should be having the same kind of priority, the same kind of devotion, that the same kind of sacrifice that you would at home. Love one another. Can, do you have love where you don't have passion? Do you have love where you don't have priority? Do you have love where you don't have sacrifice? Maybe when Jesus said they should be able to see it, that's what they see as they watch you and I relate. They see passion. They see sacrifice. They see priority. We're like a, like a family in here. And, and really, folks, when you start unfolding the New Testament, not all of it, but a whole lot of it, is really describing and building our relationship. How we are going to walk through this earth following Christ together. I call it a one anothering relationship. A one anothering responsibility. I've shown this. I'm going to show you a list here in a second. I've shown this once or twice over the years. It's actually been a while. So I'm, I'm guessing a number of you have never seen this. But, but we have a responsibility to one another. Is that responsibility guiding any of your week? Any of your day? Now, when I say one another, let me be clear what we're talking about. One another is the church. So when we just heard Jesus a moment ago say three times, love one another, that is not a command to love your family at home. Are there verses in the Bible that tell us to love our family at home? Yes, of course there is. That command, love one another, is not a command to love our enemy. Are there verses in the Bible that tell us to love our enemy? Yeah, yeah, we've got that too. But that's not what that command is about. Are, are, are we to be loving people? L love humanity. Yeah, there's some verses that talk about us doing that. But that's not what love one another is about. Love one another is a specific direction in how we're to engage with each other. How we're to relate together. How we are to, to treat each other. And then that... Let the, what the New Testament does is it puts all kinds of flesh on that and shows what it looks like. One other comment before we look at the list is understanding what the church is. When you are, remember last week we talked about being born again? That, that second, that millisecond that you are born again, you're brought into a relationship with a father, you're adopted into his family. Well, the moment that happens, I got a family. I, I become a part of the capital C church that's the universal church we are one big family across the world and across time do we know all of the family oh my gosh not even close I don't I don't know the believers in in Chile I, I don't know the believers in France I don't, I don't know the believers in Russia but we are family there is a capital C universal church but there's also a little c that's the local church and the local church is where I'm going to take on all this one anothering. I'm going to exercise this one. If I bump into a believer out there in the world, hey, I'm to love them. But I'm going to really work and exercise at loving the believers that I'm in the local church with. And what does that love look like? Over 30 commands in the New Testament of what we're to be and do for one another. You know, if, if you ask me, hey, Randy, were you obedient this week? You know, I don't know about y'all, I've got like a really short list. There's only about two things I have to be sure I don't do and one or two things that, well, I did that. And I, I'm good, I'm obedient. But folks, there's over 30 commands about what I am to be for the body. 
Am I even thinking about these, much less obeying them? And again, there might be sometimes that I do this kind of naturally, but obedience isn't on accident. Obedience isn't just what I did without even thinking. You choose to be obedient. You choose to do these things. Let me overwhelm you with all we are to be doing. This is the one anothering list. Love one another. Eleven times we're told that. Of course, she saw three of them in just two sentences. Fellowship with one another. Maybe my favorite command in all the Bible. You know what this is? Hang out together. Moms, go on play dates. Get together for the game. Go get pizza together. Have fun. I mean, what a, hey, this is one way. I, I want to do that one. Sign me up for the fellowship. One. Have fun. Hang out. Build a relationship. Greet one another three times. One time with a holy kiss. I'd like to understand that one a little better. Greet one another. You know what? This command seems so simple that I think it runs right by us without even being a command, doesn't it? I mean, greet one another. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what, what, what does that mean? Have you ever been at the, um, at say the grocery store, and you know you're 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 moving down the way with your little buggy here, and and you turn down an aisle, and you see somebody at the end of the aisle, and you, oh, you know what I'm talking about? Shame on you! I've never done that. I don't know what's wrong with you, mean people, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, that's real. You know what this command is? It's saying, uh-uh. No, I know, it, it, you can't just say hello. It'll take like 10 minutes. I know you don't want to, if you see it. We acknowledge each other's existence. We do not avoid the chance to say hello. Now, praise the Lord, it doesn't say greet everyone on the planet down at the end of the aisle. But if they go to church with you, if they're a believer, yeah. We go down there and say hello. Be humble toward one another. Serve one another two times. Be hospitable toward one another. Confess your sins to one another. A lot of you that were with us last fall as we moved through the, the letter from James. You remember when we got to chapter 5. And by the way, James chapter 5 almost by itself kind of summarizes and encapsulates a lot of this one anothering. And that's where we saw confess your sins to one another. You might remember we called it J5 relationships. Check out James 5. But that's where that one is. Let's go to the next page. Don't complain about one another. Don't speak out against one another. Encourage one another. Three times in the New Testament we're told that. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Are you doing that? Did you do that this week? Who did you encourage to love? Who did you encourage to do good? Let me say something about this verse that can be said about everything. When, when we say this, we're talking, it's a two-way street. To obey this command or any of these commands, there's two things going on. I'm placing myself in a relationship where somebody can stir me up. Where, 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 where they can encourage me, challenge me to be loving and, and to do good. But I'm also placing myself in a relationship where I can do that for others. You see, in all of this, it's, it's doing that for others and it's letting them do that for you. You know, because we are Americans and because we're very consumer-oriented, sometimes the church, sometimes the pastor gets caught in just a little bit of a mode of, of feeding that consumerism. And so my job, if I'm going to get you to do anything, i got to tell you how it's going to benefit you, right? So, I'm, you know, every Sunday is like a 30-minute long infomercial. Come do this, come do this, and this is what it'll do for you. And I try to sell you on the benefits, 
I, I try to peddle my little product up here and say, if you did one, two, three, will happen for you. Next week, if you come back and you keep moving forward, you're going to get this free t-shirt. And that's not a joke. You really are going to get a t-shirt because that's how I have to think of it. What am I going to give them for free? Come back next week and get one of these. Okay. And so we, we get this, but you know what? Some of this stuff I'm peddling up here. I mean, if we're being honest, there's folks sitting out there going, I don't need that. I'm not even sure I like that t-shirt. But it might be some of the other stuff. You say, I, I, don't, I don't know if I have that need. I, you know what? I don't, I don't know that I feel a particular need to be encouraged. You know, I say, hey, if you come to church, you'll be encouraged. Eh, I'm, I'm doing all right. I don't know that I need to be encouraged. You get what I'm saying? But that's only half of the equation. Who are you encouraging? See, see, it works both ways. So even if I could look at every one of these things and say, I don't know that I really need the church. I don't know that I really need somebody doing this for me. But you're to be in the place where you're also doing that for others. Stimulate one another. See, the one another has this two-way street. It's going both directions. Seek after what is good for one another. Build up one another twice. Comfort one another. Admonish one another. Now, fellowship with one another is fun. This one's a little bit more challenging. Because what that means is that you and I have placed ourselves in the kind of relationship where I've got access into your life, you've got access into mine, where I could actually say to you, hey man, you, you can't do that. that that's, that's not okay. And vice versa, you could say that to me. We admonish, we say, hey man, you're out of bounds. You know, I think this is one that we don't do very well. And we don't do it very well in the name of love. We think we're being loving. We think we're being kind. We're being taught. Now, admonish one another doesn't mean be mean, get up in each other's grill just for the sake of it. No, it's not talking about being mean to each other, but I think sometimes we're so friendly and loving with each other, we'll just stand by and watch each other head right down a wrong path. We'll just stand by and watch each other just live in sin. And in the name of love, we're going to shh. No, Jesus says, no, in the name of love. You say, hey, brother, that ain't right. Stop that. Bear with one another. Two times it says that. Next page. Forgive one another twice. Don't lie to one another. Regard one another as more important. Be subject to one another. See, both of these say, no, 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 no. The one sacrifices for the 300 million. Okay, we're, we're very interested in the whole. We yield the floor. That subject means Submit. I submit, I yield the floor to your need, to your well-being. Um, speak to one another with praises to God. Be kind to one another. We are members of one another. I like to use that verse when, when folks ask me, I get this question a lot. Is it, is it really important to like be an official member of the church? I mean, does that really matter to God at not if I'm on your computer system? I like using this verse, not because it has the word members in it. But, but because of the idea that if you go to 1 Corinthians 12, that's where one of those is. It, it, it kind of has this idea. My finger, my finger is a member of my hand, right? My hand's a member of the arm. The arm's a member of the body. I got two ears. They're a member of the head. And the head's the member of the body. And it's all pretty tightly connected. And, and some of my members stand out more. Some not so much. Some are very important. Some, and I use this word loosely, not as important. Okay, now what do I mean by that? You know, all in all, if I had to choose, I'm going to take my heart and my brain over my pinky. That doesn't mean I don't want my pinky. That doesn't mean I don't see the value and the importance of my, of my pinky. But anyway, that's kind of how God describes 
the church body. There's all kinds of moving parts here and some stand out more and some may seem more important. But listen, in the best body, you want all the parts. And you want them all functioning and and you want them all working, right? And you don't want any part of your body. You don't want the pinky one day to say, you know, I... I don't really want to be formally connected to the, to the hand. I'd like to kind of keep things kind of loose, kind of come and go. I don't really like to be noticed a whole bunch. I'd like to just kind of keep this as an informal connection. Do you want your pinky saying that? No, you want your pinky, your ear, your toe, and everything else to have a very formal, a very official connection to the body. That's the illustration God is using of all of us and how we connect to each other. So yeah, we're to be members. Show tolerance for one another. Don't envy one another. One more page, I think. Yep. Don't bite and devour one another. Gosh, don't you think it has to break God's heart that he even has to say this? I mean, that he could look into our gathering and say, come on, guys, serious. Don't, don't bite each other. Don't, don't devour each other. But he, he had to give, give the same care to one another. Wait for one another. We looked at that a, a month or so ago when we had Lord's Supper. No lawsuits against one another. Accept one another. Be of the same mind with one another. That's a big one. It means be on the same page. Nobody arrives at church on the same page. We all, we've all got our own preferences and ideas and opinions. I think this is more important. No, I think that. No, I think we should go here. I think we should. We're all. But whatever we are, we work at being on the same page. Uh, don't judge one another. Be devoted to one another. You ever said, gosh, that, that, dog, God, that guy is so devoted to work. That guy is so devoted to the team. You ever said that or heard somebody say that? What were you looking at? When you're looking at somebody and saying they are so devoted, what are you looking at? Probably a lot of hours, right? That guy puts in a lot of hours. Maybe it's the intensity with which they approach their work or their job. Maybe it's just the skill and the excellence. And they, and they just kind of constantly keep it firing up here. Or, or the ball team or whatever. Folks, that's how, that's how the New Testament says people should watch you and I as they watch us relate with the church. Remember, you don't relate with a building. You, you relate with people. People, the world, believer, unbeliever, should be able to watch. Man, those guys are so devoted to one another. Is that how you would be described? Devoted? Man, they're so devoted. The hours, the excellence, the passion, the, the work. Because you see, if that's not true of me, or this list is not true, I mean, there's four pages. Was that four pages? I think it was four pages of list. If these things aren't true of me, or maybe I'm doing just enough of them that I call myself okay, I don't perceive that there's any gross error, gross problem in my life, I could still very much be totally dehydrated. And and so life is not going to be better. I'm not as sharp. I'm not as strong. I'm not experiencing in God. I'm not experiencing in life with God. I'm not experiencing any of that. But but when I really make that my focus and my drive, all of a sudden I am a little sharper. I am a little stronger physically and spiritually. And I begin to realize, hey, life connected, 
It makes stronger people, makes stronger families, makes stronger churches, and we start to have a stronger impact on our community and our world for Christ. I wonder if the world's so uninterested in us because there's absolutely nothing about who and what we are in our relationship that attracts them as being any different from what they have out there. Jesus said, as the world watches you, I want that to be the lure. I want that to be the draw. Them just watching you love one another. Life is better connected. So what's that mean? Well, it means we're here. It means we're doing something. But folks, here's the challenge. You can be here every Sunday for the rest of 2016 and you can sign some clipboard and volunteer for this and that and still remain unconnected. See, it's not just coming and sitting in a building and it's not just being a greeter or being in the choir or being on the, the media team. It's what you're doing when you're doing those things. It's what you're doing when you're here. It's what you're doing when you're serving. It's the kind of relationship that you're building, right? As we greet together, as we sing together, as we uh, take up offering together, as we run cameras together, are we building a relationship where I know how to pray for you and you know how to pray for me? Do I know when to cheer for you and you know when to cheer for me and I know when to cry for you and you know when to cry for me? And as we do these things around this building and as our ministry goes outside the building, do we... Do we know to get up in each other's face and say, hey man, that, that's not okay. That, that, that's not good. Is that what we're building? Because if that's not what we're doing, then yeah, you can come here a lot and do some stuff and not feel any more connected. And see, sadly, I think that's why a lot of people aren't getting what this means. Maybe it doesn't make any sense. You know, I, I think there's maybe another reason that this is hard to grasp. I have had, and, and, and I, you know, I was thinking about that this week, you know, and I kind of got back to where I'm thinking about myself peddling a product up here. And I, I don't think this makes me unique or rare, but I think it's too rare. I, I don't think it happens enough, and it, and it puts me in a little different category. My church experience is entirely positive. I mean, I mean, for the 50 years I have walked on this earth, I, or crawled the first couple, <laughs> I've had an entirely positive church experience. I, I think that's somewhat rare. I have loved all of my pastors. I have loved the, the people I've gone to church with. My best friends have been in the church. The most fun I've had. I mean, I, I've did the track and running thing and I've had some other things but I mean really when I think back over my life the most exciting most meaningful most significant was when I was engaged with people at church and we were doing the work of the Lord together I mean that really has been a very positive experience I have not really been hurt or rejected that does happen at church I've never been a part of a church split some of you have that hurts doesn't it I've talked to a lot of people that have come out of, come through a church split, which if, it's, if we are a family, well, then a church split's a divorce, isn't it? And divorce leaves wounded everywhere. I mean, people carry that. I'm not saying nobody's ever wronged me inside of a church, but whatever it was, it didn't stick. It didn't really land. I mean, I, 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 it was insignificant enough. I was, I was able to get past it. So he, here's my point. If somebody says to me, life is better connected, I, I'm, I'm all on it. I get that. And it's a super short bridge for me to cross to land into this. 
But, but I, I recognize that for some, maybe too many, that as we're up here peddling this, you've actually got junk you have to wade through to try to believe this and do this. Man, the bridge is actually kind of long. Man, I, you know, I think in my church, my, always exciting. Always exciting, always life-changing, always great preachers. Hey, we think of big problems. Sometimes, sometimes we just find church places just so boring and irrelevant. But boy, life will sure be connected if you commit yourself to boring irrelevance. See, I've, I've, never, I've never done that, but I realize that that's been an experience for some. And by the way, now here's the hard part to say. I'm not trying to say, now at the heights, we don't have any of those problems. I don't know what those other fools out there are doing that are messing church up so bad, but you come here and you're going to get nothing but good. No, we are absolutely, let me assure you, not a perfect church. We don't do everything we should do as a church body. We're missing on something. We don't do enough of something. I almost hate saying, I would imagine one individual could experience hurt and rejection by another individual here. Yeah, sometimes it can be hard. I wish God would have given us some churches that had no sinners in them. <laughs> but he didn't. You ever, um, you ever been really thirsty? Taking a big swig of water and it was just kind of lukewarm? I mean, you really had a need. You really had a desire. You took the swig and went, ugh, lukewarm water. I mean, that's real. It happens. I still need it. I can have some bad water, some lukewarm water. I, st- I still need it. Folks, I-, I don't know why. You can ask them. I'll ask them when I get to heaven. I don't know why, but God said for you and I to be as sharp and as strong as we can be in our spiritual life, which has total impact on everything else going on in life. Church is a part of that equation. Being connected, not sitting in a building once a week, being connected to each other is a part of that equation. I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to come back next Sunday. And uh, you're going to see see here a little bit of a different message. It's going to be very, very heavy on application. It's going to be very heavy. We've, last Sunday, how to get connected to God. This Sunday, we're talking about being connected to each other. Next Sunday, and you get a shirt. Come for the shirt. You're Americans. But next Sunday, we're really going to talk about what does the next step look like? And I, and I hope you've heard me. I think I've said this now three times from the beginning, the middle, now to the end. Wherever you are, you might be somebody that gets a good solid eight, ten Sundays in this year. And you might be somebody that's going to get 46, 47, 48 Sundays this year. Wherever you are on that spectrum, there's a step every one of us can take to experience what that connection really looks like so we experience the better life God has for us. Amen? Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. God, thank you for the church. And God, I personally say thank you that my, my experience has been so positive throughout my whole life. And I, gosh, I do pray, Lord, that that is the experience of a whole lot of folks in here. But Lord, wherever we are, I pray we'll hear what you're saying. I, I pray we'll see what you're saying. God, you'll work in our heart and life. We'll 
hear what you're saying and take that step of commitment and we'll kind of start thinking and working on what we can do to take a step forward in being connected to the body of Christ, being what you designed and what you called to be for us in the body of Christ. We need your help to do that, Lord. I thank you that you hear our prayers and you answer. In Jesus' name, amen.